I wasn't sure if the beginning of that was like jazz or if you were having some sort of a spastic fit or what that was. <laughs> it was it was odd timing there, buddy. Kind of made Welcome. my brain itch a little bit. Welcome. You got to figure out where the beat is before the drums come in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually good with that, but that that made me hard. It, that made me hard. Yeah. Yeah, that made you so Fuck. fucking hard. Talk about a flowers for Algernon morning. Uh, so how are you two morons this morning? I'm good. Uh, I'm alive. I'm wondering why um, you have a flowers for Algernon reference in the last, what, 24 hours? I mean, I know you got medication, but, you know, it are you coming off of it and there's that much of a dramatic difference for you? Oh, this shit's beating my ass this time. I don't know what's going on. So for those of you that are unaware, I got myself back on Ritalin. I was on Ritalin many years ago and um, thought it'd be a good idea to get back on it. Now I'm questioning myself. So um, yeah, I was good. Adam and I went to dinner and I was good. I felt good, um, calm, and my head was straightened out. And then I got home, was by myself for about 15 minutes, and had a uh, an impressive panic attack. And then this morning, I ate, and I went to take my pill, and I couldn't do it. Uh, I had another panic attack. I was like, I can't. I can't take this fucking pill. So, yeah, I guess my brain's coming down off the dopamine, and uh, I'm a little... Well, thick-headed this morning, so if I'm not my normal jovial, <laughs> talky self, it's because I'm swimming through fucking mental concrete right now. Jovial, talky self. Jovial, talky self. They call me JT. So. Yeah, um, they do. Yeah, yeah I don't know everybody. so much about the jovial thing now. Everybody does. I'm if it was your face stabby talky self i might be more <laughs> call him jovial dan jovial Go dan. With that. jovial yeah. dan the face stabby guy or something <laughs> or yeah. something yeah or something so i did notice i think i noticed some correlation between the um the pain i've been having the nerve pain and uh the ritalin seemed to calm it way the fuck down so, which I found out that Ritalin can be used as a nerve pain um, medication. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So that was kind of cool. Um, and we'll see. I'm going to see how today goes and maybe get a hold of my psychiatrist on Monday and see what she thinks. But uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. And I, the idea that I used to take two or three 10 milligram pills of this shit 10 years ago blows my mind. Honestly, <laughs> uh, there's a thing mind. called tolerance. Yeah. But I mean, I started off at 10 milligrams, <laughs> you know, I was just like, pop, woo. And a couple hours later, pop, woo. Um, and, and not only that, but I was sucking it down with a, one of those giant monsters with the, like the canteen tops. You know, oh, on yeah. top of them. We well, were talking about that yesterday. I don't, I don't know how the fuck I did it. I really don't. Well, used to, you could eat Snickers without looking like somebody Ugh. beat your face with a pineapple. Yeah, my metabolisms change. Actually, the, I was on the Ritalin right about the time that shit started, too, because I remember thinking that I remember thinking that it was the Ritalin that was causing the, the eczema and stuff. You know, yeah. weird side effect, but then discovered that that is sugar carbohydrates and some other stuff but uh mostly just sugar and carbs which uh adam has been kind of on the same trip as i've been with trying to cut that stuff out of his diet and we went to dinner last night and uh we're eating the salads and he goes why is this salad so sweet and i said because everything has sugar in it, man. It was Caesar. He had a Caesar salad and that Caesar yeah, I was dressing. Like, why is the cheese sweet? Yeah, it's why is the cheese sweet? Which weird. I did explain that, you know, lac lactose um is a sugar. Um and he was like, What the fuck? This is this is trash. And then 
we got Brussels sprouts, right? We both got the like broiled or baked Brussels sprouts or whatever they were. Right? And take a bite. And I was like, oh my God, what? And they had steeped them in some kind of like barbecue syrup. sauce or syrup. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, dude, the, the sauce that they were in was disgusting because it was so sweet. And the thing is, if you go a week, hell, if you go a few days, but if you go a week um, without eating any, I'll, I'll even say any processed sugar. Like I'm not even going to attack like carrots and things like that. But if you just go cut out the sodas, cut out the cookies, cut out, you know, I'll say carbs too, like tortilla shells and breads and things like that. Cut all that out of your diet for a week and then go eat a fucking carrot. Um, I, I think you're anti-carrot right now. That's, carrots, that's what I think. Carrots are weird. And you guys have heard this story ad nauseum, but it's, I had done the South beach diet with my ex-wife and it's super no sugar the first two weeks. Like it's no potatoes, no, no nothing that has, <laughs> fucking sucrose or no nothing that's no, a pretty inclusive diet then yeah no nothing you get you get nothing air you have to exclude nothing from the diet yeah yeah right <laughs> no uh, was it uh I'm on don't a, eat any fucking carrots though a seafood <laughs> diet i see food and i eat it um but i i had done that for a couple weeks and then i went months and months without eating any carbs or sugars or anything i dumped a bunch of weight uh, was feeling pretty good. And me and Doug and a couple other guys we worked with went and got Chinese food at this place. And I was like, oh, it'll be okay if I have some Chinese because I've been eating really, really well, you know, so it'll be cool. And uh, had some carrots and uh, snow peas and stuff in it, right? And I bit into one of the carrots and I was like, yeah, uh, what, what the fuck? And everybody's looking at me like, what dude you know has these fucking carrots man so anyway i handed one to doug i said dude try this carrot eat this carrot he's like all right pops in his mouth he's like tastes like a carrot dan i was like no dude it's so sweet you know so a woman comes by she's pat you know waitress is handing out the food and she was also working in the kitchen so i asked her i said excuse me ma'am i said what um what do you guys like soak your carrots in and she's like well, what? I was like, yeah, like what marinade or what do you cook them in? Like, what, what, they're they're very sweet. And she's like, mm, nothing, you know. I'm like, no, no, totally, totally. Is they're they cooked them in something, but it was simply <laughs> because of the natural sugars. And of course, when you cook certain foods, it brings the sugars out. Yeah. But um, it was these carrots had been cooked and brought the sugar out, and it was just too fucking much for me. Um. Sometime in that week, too, I remember I had a glass of Coke. I took about two drinks, and I, I wanted to vomit. It was just so so sickly sweet, man. It was insane. Yeah. But they, they, they stick sugar in everything nowadays, man. It's fucking everywhere, and it's in places that's just like, why? Why? Our bodies were, are not set up for that. I mean, you know, 100 years, 200 years will evolve and become hummingbirds. But, um, we're just, we're not designed to, uh, process that much sugar consistently throughout your whole life. I mean, look at the sauces in your, in your fridge, um, the breads, not only do they have carbs from just because of what they are, but they add extra added sugar to them. And I don't know, man, it's just, it's been kind of weird, I guess, cause I've had to count it or keep an eye on it. Cause if I don't, as Doug said, it looks like somebody beat me in the face with a pineapple. Um, and so I'm a little more cautious, but when you're cautious like that, you pay more attention, you know, and you, wow, there's sugar in that and there's sugar in that. And it, you pick up the salt shaker and on the back, it says, you know, salt, sugar, polysorbate, fucking 80. <laughs> and you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's fucking weird. I was like, it was like kind of hard to fucking, eat i was like all right well this is sweet and it's not just like a health thing it's like it's it's too sweet to eat yeah kind of a sickly gross sweet yeah Yeah. um well it's just like you know you can like salty stuff but there's you know a point where that goes overboard as well you can you can do the same thing with sugar 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember as a kid, um, I don't remember much about my childhood because, you know, trauma and shit, but uh, I remember I used to go, we had one of those Tupperware, the old 70s Tupperware colors. It was that green color and um, it was the sugar container. And then inside it was this white scoop, looked like an ice scoop, but it was just a little small white scoop. And I would, oh man, I'd say it was probably a half cup maybe. And I would mound that thing up and just pour sugar in my mouth and then hold it in my mouth and let it dissolve, you know, like cotton candy would. And I realize now that that was probably the start of my, you know, addictive personality <laughs> slash looking for things that make me feel good kind of thing. Um, it, 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 sugar is a drug. They've, they've done study after study and it shows the same spots in the brain that like cocaine and different things. It, it creates the same kind of metabolic response in your body that drugs do, or like, you know, what they consider they, them, what they consider <laughs> drugs. Um, the almighty them, the almighty them, uh, and, I, and it's not that I'm trying to demonize sugar or carrots, um, but it's gotten a little out of hand, I think. And I think it causes a lot of health problems and, and not just the not just the ones that we know of, like diabetes and obesity and things like that. I, I think there's <laughs> I think if you give kids sugar, right, if you gave kids small amounts of cocaine or Ritalin. And you, you did that all through their formative years. There's no way that that's not going to have some effect on the brain and, and how it processes information at some point. Um, you know, we do see more cases of anxiety, ADHD, depression, anger. No, 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 no. Unrelated. Unrelated. And you just need to focus and be happy and calm down. Yeah. Just calm down, focus and just cheer up, dude. Just go cheer just up. smile. Just cheer up. Yeah. yeah. But again, it goes back, and I know we've talked about this before, that um, mental health is still a funny, taboo subject to people, man. You know, I mean, me talking about my panic attacks uh, freaks some people out, which there's some irony to that, right? Um, <laughs> Stop it, Dan. You're giving me a panic you're, attack. You're giving me a panic attack. I don't know. When you when you talk about panic attacks, it makes me makes my heart rate and my, uh, you know, makes me feel like I need to run away. I've been dealing with panic attacks. They started when I was about 18 or 19 and they got really bad to the point of agoraphobia. If you don't know what agoraphobia is, it's basically a fear of leaving your house. Um, I had to move back in with my parents who were abusive and that probably didn't help. I couldn't even ride in a car with someone. We'd get down the road and I'd say, stop, pull over, pull over. And I'd have to get out of the car. I couldn't do it. And I'd say, take me home, take me home. I can't do this. Um, they put me on Paxil, which is, I'm pretty sure cultured from the underneath side of the devil's nutsack. Um, <laughs> that shit's fucking awful. Um, but yeah, and, and I had them for a while and I, through the years, I, I maintained my social anxiety. When I get around too many people, it would start again. And back in the day, I, kind of realized that part of that was I'm overwhelmed by people because when I go out into a crowd and I believe this is part of my, my ADHD. And I say my ADHD like that because like Doug doesn't, Doug has ADHD and it's phenomenal. And if you meet him for more than five minutes, you can tell this dude has ADHD. Um, mine is more subtle, but yeah, well, my symptoms are different. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, right. yours aren't as bad because they're yours and not mine. I know yeah. how that psychological yeah. trick goes. Yeah, it's. I shouldn't say not as bad because it. I mask better, I think, and I'm sure that comes from again living in the home that I did. Um, my parents wouldn't have tolerated it. <laughs> they didn't tolerate much anything. But uh, yeah, we have different symptoms. So, and I apologize. That's uh, I didn't mean to like 
shit on Doug. I mean, I do shit on Doug a lot and I enjoy shitting on Doug, but that's not what I meant to do in this particular case. Yeah. He likes to say, here comes the rolling brownout. (laughs) (laughs) But I usually say it with a little more fervor. So there's um, jovial fervor, if you will. Um, But yeah, my symptoms are different. Like Doug can go and Doug doesn't like people or crowds any more than I do, but he can tolerate them better than I can. Um, my problem is, is that when I get into a crowd, uh, or if I go to a restaurant and I'm sitting there, I'm listening to everything. I will hear five, six, seven conversations at once and I'm keeping up with them. It's not like a murmur, like a lot of people hear just a distant din in the background. I am actually listening to the conversations typically to the detriment of the conversation I'm trying to have with the person I'm with. So if Doug and I (laughs) are at a concert, if we're sitting there talking, I'll talk to Doug, but I won't really hear what he's saying very well, but I'll know what five other conversations are doing. And I do that in restaurants a lot too. I'll be sitting there and and I've had it. uh, Last time I remember it happening was, uh, me, Doug, and Adam went and had Chinese food, and Doug and Adam are talking, and I'm kind of listening to that, but I'm listening to the table next to us, and I'm listening to the two tables down on the, the thing, and kind of to Adam's point, right? People are like, well, just don't, just pay attention to what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, just don't listen to them. Guys, my brain is going to do what it's going to fucking do, right? And the problem is, is it becomes overwhelming. It's just so much information. My brain, (laughs) you would think that if it bothered my brain, it would stop doing it. Like that's, that's the part that kind of cracks me up is that my brain goes, dude, I can't listen to all these conversations. Well then don't. Well, anyway, let's listen. (laughs) Yeah, man, this really sucks. But anyway, did you hear what that other table just said? Like, fuck. And I call that hypervigilant or hypervigilance. It's part of PTSD. I've had therapists and psychiatrists explain why I do it. Um, and I, I get it. Uh, again, playing the violins and growing up in my, my household, I had to be hypervigilant. I had to watch. I had to watch for moods. I had to watch for conversations. I was telling my therapist the other day that I can still remember the way my mom would hold her coffee cup told me whether or not she was about to have a fucking meltdown. Uh, and she'd disassociate. She'd stare off into fucking space. And then you knew it was coming, boy. I don't know what it was she was thinking about, but it made her fucking mad. Um, so I get why I do it, but it's fucking exhausting. So, but I, I've always maintained that, but the panic attacks by myself, just being by myself had stopped for 20 years, 18 years, something like that. And it seems like in the last couple, they're coming back and I don't know why. Doug's almost gotten a call at two in the morning a couple of times. <laughs> so, And I can just hear it now. <clears throat> What's up, little buddy? Because <laughs> if I'm calling you at two in the morning on a Tuesday fucking night, you know something's wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've learned to I've learned to deal with them. Um, everything from going for walks, hitting the treadmill. Sometimes I just go look in a mirror and tell tell myself, "Dude, you're fine. You're okay." Uh, I have gotten into cold showers, which is incredibly unpleasant. <laughs> but for some reason, it works. Those are the bad ones. Like I don't do that unless unless I am fucking spinning out of control. Um, and, you know, people who meet me, I think would be shocked to know that I, that I deal with this, you know, um, cause yeah, I am face stabby, but I joke a lot. I like to make people happy, you know, unless I don't like them and then I like to make them miserable. Um, but yeah, I've been dealing with this shit for a long time and I, and I don't really know what to do about it anymore. I mean, you can't, they, they come on so quick that like Xanax or Ativan really wouldn't do much. I mean, uh, I, I don't think I could get it in my mouth and swallow it quick enough. That's what she said. Um, and I don't know about the idea of like being on a maintenance dose of fucking Xanax, you know, 
call me Jean-Claude Lethargic. Yeah, um, that would not be fun. I mean, you know, I mean, it'd be fun for me, but I don't know how anyone else would. You're like, hey, Dan, be like, <sighs> you know, I've seen you on Xanax before, but what would be really interesting is to watch you have a complete and total abandonment of fucks. I think that would be an interesting day. <laughs> Maybe that might be half of my fear. <laughs> like, oh no, I can't take these and go to work. That's a terrible fucking idea. Hey guys, this is Dan. Um, basically, fuck all of y'all. Um, this is stupid and I don't want to be here. So I may talk to her about something because I've done all the SNRIs and SSRIs. Um, but, uh, you know, I was telling Doug and Adam that um, the, and it may be total correlation, I don't know, but I've been having a lot of pain in my surgery area. That's what I'm going to start calling my, my, my dick and balls. I'm going to start calling it my surgery area. Um, and I took the Ritalin and it just like disappeared. And I found out that Ritalin can be used as a um, nerve pain medication. I thought that was kind of cool. And I may dick around with trying to take it again, um, maybe tomorrow or Monday or something. Uh, maybe taking it at seven o'clock last night wasn't the most brilliant fucking idea I've ever had either. So I took half a pill. Um, and like I said, Adam and I were fucking hanging out. And I was like, man, I feel good. Fuck, I forgot, forgot what Ritalin did to me. And then, uh, but yeah, dude, fucking 30, you know, 30 milligrams a day, usually 20. I didn't, I don't think I ever took, it was very rare. I took the third one and then guzzling caffeine on top of it. But then, you know, Doug remembers, uh, big projects that we did, uh, when we worked together and, uh, there was one in particular and I remember taking Ritalin. Oh, I was on Ritalin for that one. Uh, it was a big device collapse. Uh, we were collapsing four devices down into three and uh, it, it was a, uh, it was a shit show, I think is the technical term for it. And uh, it was me, Adam, our buddy Juan, and um, a guy by the name of Todd, uh, who passed away a couple years ago. Um, and it was, it was something, but yeah, that I, I wonder if maybe it was cause I was more, active back then and you know uh, now i'm in an office i don't know i kind of just hate my brain i think my brain's dumb you need a dumb brain get a new one yeah right well it's kind of you know if if you're human like me there's probably sometimes you wish your brain could do or not do a thing that is uh, inconvenient or um, gets in the way of God knows how much stuff, because there are often times where it's like, you know, I'll, I'll have something that I'm using. I'll start thinking about something else. I'll set that thing down. <laughs> and then I go, I need that thing again. And like, where the fuck did I put the fucking thing? Why? Yeah. It, it, and, and it just spirals from there. And then I, it, it's like this. Most of the time, it's usually like this anywhere between two in 20 second period of rage while I look for it <laughs> where I'm, where, where I'm mad at myself for being yeah. insufficient for the task at hand. Yeah. I like that insufficient for the task at hand, even if it's something as small as, you know, why do I not know where my keys remote wallet, that fucking thing I was holding the charging cable, you know? Um, I, I think the, I think the difference between Doug and I, as far as our ADD symptoms go, or, or let me let me ask you this, Doug, if you think this would be be an accurate statement. Um, you've never really dealt with like chronic anxiety, have you? No. Um, yeah. I mean, you get I'm, upset over things, you get anxious over things because we all do. That's normal, but not chronic and panic attacks and things like that. No, I've had anxiety, but not to the point where. It was chronic. Um, yeah. It was usually situationally related. Shout out Adam. Chronic. Situational, exactly. And that's that's the difference. I guess that's the point I was trying to make. For people that don't understand, because, you know, 
there are people that I know listen to me talk and get mad at me and go, Jesus Christ, this fucking guy playing his fucking violins again, this poor fucking family. And he's always fucking anxious. He's fucking depressed. We're all fucking anxious and depressed. Get well, over it. Get over it. Here's the thing. There is a difference between like what Doug said, right? Situational anxiety, situational depression. Um, And generalized anxiety. (laughs) And then there's generalized where it's just all day, every day for no goddamn reason. Why are you anxious? I don't know, Sparky. Why are you depressed? It's actually kind of weird that uh, that Doug isn't like uh, super anxious because I've I've heard a lot that that seems to go hand in hand with ADHD like Mm -hmm. a lot of times. Mm -hmm. I think I think anxiety is like well, you know talking about narcissist and you'll you'll read that uh, psychiatrists psychologists they don't know if it's born or created right I think anxiety I think all mental illness if you want to call it that ADHD all of it they don't know if you're born with it or if it's taught you know I Doug is a perfect example, right? Doug's adopted. So genetically, he he wasn't raised with people who were who were ADHD or anxious or you know whatever because they they say you know like that that's part of it. If you're raised in an anxious household, you're going to have some anxiety and that makes sense to me. Um but, you know, like you said, look at Doug, he's got classic ADHD but was adopted. So, and I've met his mom. She's as laid back as they come, <laughs> you know? So I don't know that that's where he got it. Sure, I see what you're saying. We'll go with that. <laughs> laid back. Well, I mean, from my perspective, right? From my yeah. perspective. Well, so. I mean, granted, I, I know, you know, I haven't met your parents, but I've heard the story. So I yeah. know what the comparison is. Yeah. But the, right. okay, yeah, that's true too. <laughs> so, um, it's kind of relative. Yeah. Baseline, moment. baseline speaking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But because my mom's got certain behaviors, it, I mean, cause it's funny. I mean, because I can have my place, what I would define as clean mm-hmm. and she'll uh, come over to the house for a visit. Yeah. And, and, her idea of clean and my idea of clean is two completely different things. Yeah. Um, she's one of those, everything has a place Mm -hmm. people and that place is usually in a fucking cabinet or a closet Mm -hmm. somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really interesting when she'll come over to visit, I have to say things often like, all right, mom, where the hell did you put my cutting boards? <laughs> or because, you know, I have a cut, you know, it's like when I use cutting boards and, you know, use it, clean it off, whatever else, it sits on the counter where it's mm-hmm. supposed to be used. Yeah, that's why I leave mine yeah. too. And mom does not like that. She starts putting things in cabinets and then there's like a little cabinet next to the stove and I have finally learned that when she comes over, all my um, cutting boards wind up in there. The really funny thing was one time when I had bought a, sh- you know, not one time, but one of the several times I'd bought a shitload of paper towels and I went to go look for them because I rarely ever use those cabinets next to the stove. She loaded every fucking paper towel uh, <laughs> that I had in the house and put them in those. And it was like a week after she left that I finally needed like a new roll of paper, paper towels. towels. And I'm turning the fucking house upside down looking for paper towels because <laughs> I never used those particular set of cabinets. So I had to call my mother to find out where my fucking paper towels were. That's phenomenal. And that is a sign of, of anxious behavior, um, compulsive cleaning and, everything. And, you know, some people would argue and say, oh, bullshit, Dan. It just means that, you know, I clean and I, um, you know, and I like things tidy and everything. And it's like, well, no, I get that. But there is a, when it agitates you, when, when the paper towels are not, not where the paper towels are supposed to be. Right. It's it's a little nerd rage. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. 
and you know that the and what I define that is if you've ever known someone who was simultaneously simultaneously kind of gifted and also fell on the spectrum somewhere mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um they all have things that they're weirdly passionate about. No, you know, like if you say, you know, if there's a a technical description for something Mm -hmm. and you get a word wrong or you get something out of context and then they're like, no, it's Mm -hmm. like this. That's Mm -hmm. kind of the same thing. It's just a different form of it. And people don't realize that. And it it comes across as being weird or nerding out, but that, it's it's an obsessive behavior, not necessarily OCD, but it is it's an obsessive behavior, and ADHD does cause that. Anxiety causes that. Um, that that's that's funny because it's it's very much true. A, a little nerd rage, um, you know, when something is supposed to be this way, you get people that are a little more. You know, neurotypical seems to be the fun word that people use now in that if something's not right exactly where it's supposed to be, like we've all known that guy's like, ah, it's good enough. And if you're ADHD and you have anxiety like me, you're over there clenching your jaw so fucking hard that the muscles are going to pop because you're like, it's, you need to, oh, that's not how you fucking do that. (laughs) You know, but then over the years, I've learned to ask myself, why does that bother you so much, Dan? What is it about? I'm a perfectionist and nothing I do is ever good enough. Nothing I do is ever right. It can always be better. Well, that comes from a trauma background of someone telling you that, making you think that. Um, it is much, listen, and people say, no, you know, you got to do your job. It's it's about doing your job and doing it well and, and doing things, you know, completely and everything. Yeah, you're right. That is true. You should do those things. But there comes a point when, that'll work. That's good enough really is applicable and sufficient. Like where you stick your paper towels, you know? And it's like, Oh yeah, just stick them over there somewhere. They're paper towels, man. It doesn't matter. So, and I'm not saying like, for instance, that your mom has to put those paper towels in that cabinet. Right. But that's, I'm alluding to people who are like that where things have to be a certain way. And so that's interesting, you know, and, and, um, I, it goes back to, you know, things like anxiety and ADHD, um, being taught or, or learned behavior, you know, um, I'd be curious to see families where, um, and I'm sure they're out there, you know, where, uh, you know, mom and dad are both ADHD and the kid comes out completely opposite, but then again, maybe that's just a rebound effect. I mean, I don't know. It's it's fucking fascinating, and the the fun part. And both my both my therapist and my psychiatrist have noticed it when I have my discussions with them. Is just how uh, I don't want to say educated because it makes me sound arrogant, but they were both very impressed with my knowledge on mental health and. Um, how it works. And I think what's funny, I think it's kind of gotten meta is that I use my mental health issues to study mental health issues. <laughs> so meaning that I fixate on mental health issues. Um, and that can be good and bad, right? Um, maybe I see things that aren't there. Maybe I create things that aren't there. Um, but at the same time I have, um, I figured a lot of things out for myself and I've helped some other people, you know, and that's why I, we, I've always said for me, it's one of the reasons I do the podcast. It's why I do my little videos. It's why I post things sometimes is that, um, I like helping people. I, I, I would love to know that there's somebody out there who, uh, heard something that I said and, and it made him think enough to go, you know, maybe I should go see a therapist or maybe I should go get on meds or maybe, you know, whatever. I don't know. I've got, (laughs) I've got similar stuff because 
I spent so many years depressed. If you spend enough time between your own ears and then you pay any attention to the world around you at all, you start to see how shit starts to correlate. Yeah. And people that, you know, seriously have dealt with depression, it's, you know, that's that's kind of a common trait. Uh, Also a little bit more empathy and understanding as far as trying to see things from other people's point of view, but at the same time, that is a tool that you can use to beat yourself up with. Absolutely. It's a double-edged sword, right? You can, uh, you can use it to, to kind of help people and help yourself. But at the same time, I think the, the beating yourself up is the, that's the part you got to tread real lightly on, you know? Um, it's funny because the people that have gotten the angriest with me and have lashed out at me about mental health, in my opinion, are usually the ones that I have felt quietly have always needed some <laughs> fucking assistance. You know, I dated a couple women over the last two years. One of them actually has a, a son who's autistic. She was the narcissist. And her son was like that with plants. What Doug was saying about being on the spectrum and being kind of like, uh, they have their thing. His thing was plants and, and the kid was actually fucking uh, impressive. Um, he knew the scientific names for like every plant that you could come up with and what sort of soil they needed and, and stuff like that, you know, and um, she thought it was kind of weird and, and et cetera. And I'm over here thinking I'd have him in every like, horticulture after school fucking thing I could get him in because the kid's going to be a goddamn genius <clears throat> when it comes to that stuff in, in 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I've always said that about like, uh, we focus and prioritize certain things. And like, if a kid's bad at math or English or something, right. But then he comes home, he's 12, 13 years old, but then he comes home and he's got a couple of dirt bikes in the garage and he tears them down to the rings and, you know, the, 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 every teeny tiny bit part and piece can scrub them, set them, put them all back together without much more than some YouTube videos, right. Or, or someone showing him how to do it once or twice. Don't, don't worry that the kid can't spell well. Don't worry that the kid doesn't read well, right. That's a challenge he's probably always going to have. As I think at a certain point, all the therapy in the world and all the training in the world, it ain't going to fix certain things. Give him some coping mechanisms. Get that kid into some fucking, uh, you know, after school automotive clubs or something. You know what I mean? Like if your kid is just naturally good at something that maybe you don't think is valuable, and he's not good in things that you do think are valuable, maybe you need to realign what value is. Because I know guys that were that 13-year-old kid, right? And now they own a mechanic shop or they went to Honda school and they're making real good money. They have great lives and they're very happy. Um, Music, music's another one, right? If your kid's good at music and he's failing out in school, fuck it. Get him into more music classes. <laughs> Get him into classical music. Get him to read music. Um, there's a lot of jobs out there for musicians that aren't being rock stars. You know, you don't have to be a top 10 billboard artist to make money. There are people that I fuck, I hung out with tons of them back in the day, and some of them are still doing it. And they're paying their bills by being in cover bands. I know a dude that moved to Florida and he played, he was a singer in a cover band and was making, you know, six figures 20 years ago and bit playing big corporate parties and they were really good. And I know that's unusual, but I just, I think we focus on the wrong things. And I, I, that comes from personal experience, right? I wonder what would have happened if I would have had parents that were a little more, um, supportive of things that I was good at back in the day, you know, instead of saying, Hey, you fucking moron. Um, I remember I had a memory the other day of my dad getting mad at me and they like took my stereo and shit away from me. He's like, you know, you can remember every lyric to every fucking song you ever heard, but you can't 
fucking do your multiplication table. So I'm taking your stereo and you're going to sit here and write your <laughs> multiplication tables till your fingers bleed. Yeah, that worked, Dad, because to this day, I still don't know my fucking multiplication tables. I don't know mine. Never needed them, ever. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know some of them, but you get into the sevens and the nines, fuck me. Um, and I, and I've, I've always thought back about that. And I think if you're, uh, if your kid's just naturally good at something, foster it because you're, you're swimming upstream, right? If you've got a kid that's really good at, like I said, like dirt bikes or something, but he's, his English comprehension isn't great. He can't write soliloquies and whatnot. The fuck off with it, man. He's never going to. Nothing you do is going to change the way that kid's brain works at that point, right? I mean, it's okay to say, well, hey, man, you know, you do need to try to read a book. Let's let's work on this. Maybe it's dyslexia or something like that. But foster what the kid's good at, you know? I don't care what it is. If it's video games, get him into, get him into programming and shit like that. Um, well, right. Every kid wants to be a video game programmer, right? Um, that or a tester. Yeah, video game tester. Um, excuse me. And yes, Doug, if, if they're really good at space boobs, then they should concentrate on space boobs. So, um, who doesn't like space boobs? Everybody likes space boobs, dude. Come on. Cosmic titties. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess that's my rant for the day is just, I, I hate when I see people lean on their kids about you know, well, you need to go to college and you need to get a degree and you need to do this and you need to do that. And again, you know, the kid likes building shit and he's good at it. <laughs> you know, I mean, if your kid's like, I love music, I'm going to be a rock star. And he's completely fucking tone deaf. <laughs> you know, I get that too. And you're like, Hey, that's good kid. You know, but still support them, support your kids, man. They're kids. They're not supposed to be smart. People are like, my 13 year old so fucking dumb and he does dumb stuff. Yeah, no shit. He's 13. That's why we have parents. Because if not, he'd be feral. <laughs> fucking, you know, doing well, stupid record, shit. I was really bad at music for a very long time. <laughs> you still are. I but still you, am, but you I were was. then too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just shared your mu- music with a friend of mine. Um, She's more into like, uh, like synth wave and, and, uh, EDM and stuff like that. And I actually do like EDM. I like electronica. Um, I like that kind of stuff, but, uh, I'd shared Oceanside by the ocean, Oceanside, something like that. I don't know. And she's like, man, that's really good. And then I, that's why I was asking about your synth wave stuff last night is she and I got to talking about synth wave and, um, and she listened to it. She goes, oh, dude, this is right up my alley. And I told her, I said, I've, I've always, I fuck with you because I fuck with people that I care about. It's what I do. Um, but I'd like to think, you know, that I've always encouraged you to keep making music because I think it's good. I think what you do is good. And I am, uh, I'm particular. Like I hear a lot of shit that people do and I'm like, eh. You know, or they don't understand production value or they just don't understand production producing in general. You know, you hear it in the mix. It's just trash. You're like, ow, that guitar is piercing my face and I can't hear the drums, you know. And uh, and I do have roughly 20 years experience as a musician. Um, so I've always felt like I have a, a good ear because um, I can say. I hear something and I say, yeah, this what uh, BTS, the Korean pop band, right? Mm-hmm. I saw them the other day for the first time. I knew who they were. I was aware of them, but I saw them do this live performance and I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. I get why, why, you know, 14 year old girls love these kids, um, <laughs> you know, decent dancers, good looking kids and the music, it was formulaic pop, right? But it had a neat little it made my booty move a little. So, <laughs> and it's cotton candy. We've had it, the cotton candy. Discussion. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. I, I think, uh, the, the Mexican guys I used to work with, um, they called that stuff fresa, which is, I think strawberry. Um, but same, same concept, right? It's just, it's easily digestible. I call um, it popcorn. Popcorn. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, it's a snack. It's easy to eat. Like sometimes you, know? you just want fucking popcorn. 
Right. You don't want, yeah, we were talking about that, about um, movies and music and just media. You know, look, sometimes I want a 13 minute epic rhyme of the ancient Mariner by Iron Maiden. Right. And I want to hear all these complex, you know, arrangements and lyrics and all that. And same as with people who listen to symphonies and Bach and Mozart and things like that and Vivaldi. Um, yeah. And then sometimes I want kick snare, kick snare, kick snare, kick snare, <laughs> kick snare, you know, um, for me, for me, it's lyrics. Like that's where you lose me. And there's a lot of metal out there that loses me because of the lyrics, you know, and they're like the fucking music comes in. And you're like, yeah. And then the vocalist comes in with a growl and you're like, yeah, this dude's got a great voice. And he's like, I'm mad. My parents didn't love me. Ah. And it's like, Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm going to drink some monster and punch a hole in my drywall. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, my name's Kyle. Oh, <laughs> And I get it though, right? If you're 12 or 13, and that's what adults have to remember. These bands are not marketing to 46-year-old men. They're marketing to 12-year-old kids whose hormones and brain levels are fucking wacky and they don't know what they're doing. And, you know, yeah, Kyle screaming about drinking Monster and um, punching a hole in his drywall is just, I feel like that. What's Doug say? <laughs> you like things. I like stuff. You like pizza. I like pizza. We like. I like to fuck. You like to fuck. Let's be friends. Yeah. And I think I think music and media is that way too, right? I think that it. Um, there's a if you if you can feel it, you know. Um, but that that's what loses me usually is is a lack of complexity in. Uh, uh, lyrics but then if you crank bad romance by fucking lady gaga i will move my booty <laughs> so it's like god damn it um i mean yeah, that I shit that's just like objectively good though like you can't it is like cliche as it is it's cliche because it's been done over and over and that's because it's good yeah there's a formula for it you know um you know like the the chord progressions like one three five right? You can, you can take a chord, play the third and play the fifth and it's going to sound good, right? It's pleasing to the ear. Um, now what you do around that and can make or break it, but absolutely. And there's, there are a lot of ghost writers that, that no one has ever heard of. Like you probably know some of them. Doug might know some of them. I know some of them. And what you don't realize is that some of them have got like 50 number one songs under their belt, <laughs> yeah. meaning they have written the song, they wrote the lyrics and then they sell it to an artist. That's, that's why when, when you hear songs that keep getting remade and people are like, Oh, that's a cover of so-and-so song. And it's like, well, yes and no, that song is out there and anyone can buy it and record it. Non-exclusive. Yeah. If you right. bought a non-exclusive license and good luck. Right. So <laughs> anyone can do it. Um, a, a fairly popular one that I know you two are, are familiar with is Black Betty. Whoa, Black Betty. Bam, blam. Whoa, Black Betty. That was not originally done by. Um, Ram oh, Jam. No. Ram Jam. Thank you. Um, they, the, the origins of that song go back so far. They're not even sure where it came from. It's like an old, shit. it's an like old, old blues. Yeah, yeah. It's an old blues, um, uh, like crossroads era, um, yeah. blues song. And they, they don't just know. Brought it, it up from. to speed and put a Les mm -hmm. Paul, uh, mm -hmm. being funky on that thing. And, uh, it sounds badass. Right. Exactly. Um, I learned that there's a band called soil that I listened to. Um, a lot of people remember their song halo from, uh, in the nineties and they did a cover of it. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, they did a cover of, uh, of that song by, by that band. And I get to digging and it's like, yeah, no, they were not the first. Uh, Tom Jones, I think, did a cover of it or a version of it, which freaks me out a little bit. Well, um, maybe that's not unusual. <laughs> maybe it's not unusual to be loved by someone. Um, can't move. 
Um, so yeah, the, the uh, what, uh, remember four non blondes? Yeah, and and, and and I say hey, yeah, 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 um, with the giant hats. Yeah, um, the singer who is actually married to Darlene from Roseanne, whose name Sarah Gilbert, I think her name is. Um, she is a ghostwriter and had been a ghostwriter for years. And she's got a couple and I'm just spouting off. I'm probably wrong about this, but, um, I think like Christina Aguilera and a few other big artists, uh, and then she did four non blondes for a little while, you know? Um, but again, people, you know, Oh, I hate that band. I hate four non blondes. I pitch can't sing and she's fucking terrible. And then they'll go and probably have three or four of her other songs that they didn't know she wrote, um, <laughs> you know, on a, uh, but you got people that write scripts, but aren't actors, you know? And I guess it's that's actually the standard. Uh, you have someone who writes a script and they sell it to a production company. Then the production company gets a director and like the writers completely removed from the equation at that point, except for whatever royalties are supposed to get. Yeah. Getting paid. So yeah. unless they want rewrites <laughs> sometimes, then they'll go back to the original writer to do something in the film. And sometimes they'll say, fuck that. We're hiring our guy. And they yeah. usually wreck a script <laughs> <laughs> to completely fuck it up. Well, again, that's like if you had me write a song for somebody and you, you and ah, there's some parts we want to change. And then you went to Adam and said, Hey man, we want to make these changes. You're talking about two completely different styles of music. Right. And I mean, Adam's not going to turn down the gig for the money. Like, Hey man, we're going to pay you 10,000, but we need you to change up the drums or something. <laughs> you see him drag his 808 over like eh. next thing you know, you got an 808 in your metal song. Yeah, exactly. Which they're <laughs> all over the fucking place nowadays. Yeah. Um, even country has 808s now. Oh God, dude. What are they? Um, Sorry, air quotes, country, country. Yeah. What do they call that? Hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. But even regular country has shit. 808s now. That's that's what it should be called. Shit. <laughs> Take an 808 and a banjo or a fucking mandolin and steel guitar. And um that's like there's uh what's his name? Colt Ford. Yeah, Colt um, Ford and the Lax. You, you hear Colt Ford all the time in like on my Instagram page and shit. I have a page that I just kind of post pics of my Jeep and I try to keep keep um uh familiar with Jeep people and stuff like that, you know. Do you have a Jeep? You know, I don't know if you knew this, but I do have a Jeep. Yeah. I've got a Harley too. I don't know if I've ever I wasn't aware of either one of yeah, those things. I I it's I don't talk about it much. It's, it's you know, not something I'm really proud of or anything. And he's got a tattoo. He just doesn't have the pit bull to complete the set yet. <laughs> not yet, because I live in an apartment. But I was gonna get a pit bull when I got Parker and I ran across Parker by accident. I'm glad I did because then I left my house and started renting apartments and it was hard enough for the fucking ginormous German shepherd. But Colt Ford, his, his raps are always about like, you know, mud and, you know, taking your four by four out. We got, you know, we got <laughs> 44s, tires and calibers or whatever the fucking rap is. But what I noticed about him, I always know when it's him because every song sounds the same. His, his rap meter or, or the, 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 I don't know how to explain meter to somebody who doesn't understand meter. I know both of you guys do, but, um, the way that he puts his words together is identical every goddamn time. Yeah. It's right. yeah. He rises the same and, place. Yeah. He rises right. and falls at the same place every time. And it's like, Jesus Christ, dude, come <laughs> up just- with something different, bro. I mean, a couple of his raps are more, um, cute. I mean, they're funny um, and they're very, very niche because he goes after that big wheel, four wheeling audience, but it's not particularly good. You know? I love when uh, country singers. So the the recent trend is to uh, it's for a rapper to get on a country song. Yeah. So that they can top the country chart because it's easier to top than the rap chart. Nice. So there's a song with like Morgan Wallen and Lil Dirk and it's so fucking bad. <laughs> and when you watch the music video, you can tell like Lil Dirk doesn't even want to be there. But the label said, we're going to give you money. And if you want to keep your contract, you're going to do a crossover. Yeah. But even like, 
He couldn't even pretend for like a day for like the video. To, to <laughs> <one of> <laughs> well, what Morgan Wallen didn't wasn't he one of them? There was got, an inward controversy. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, this what was I like the, This was like the redemption arc for Morgan Wallen, I guess. Well, yeah, and imagine that you're. Your label and his label are subsidiaries of another label. Oh, I see. Like Lil Durk is like, man, fuck this guy. And they're like, you got to do the song, dude. You got to do it. It's part of the, yeah, company wants it. So you're going to go do it. And this dude's like, you know, there's this video of this guy ranting and raving, dropping racial slurs, the racial slur. And I'm supposed to go on his album to, like you said, redeem him to a bunch of racists. Yeah, fuck you. Okay. I'm just here so I don't get don't fined. Get fined. Exactly, <laughs> exactly what I was getting ready to say. Yeah. I, so, yeah, the whole I'm going to stand here and not do anything was probably very uh, Colin Kaepernick-ish, you know, in the sense that, you know, I'm going to do it because I got I to gotta keep my job, but fuck all y'all. Yeah, you, you can't know? make me care. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, uh, I'm sorry. Once, Once these videos come out of these guys doing that, dropping racial slurs like that. I don't think there is any redemption for him. Not certainly not quickly. I mean, maybe over years and years of, of understanding what they did wrong and it's different. And I'm going to say it, it's different if they found something from 20 years ago, right? Because, and Adam and I have had this conversation growing up where we grew up. Um, you know, I was in the middle of nowhere, Ohio and, uh, racial slurs were used in my household you know, pretty, pretty commonly. And, um, I didn't know any better, but as I got older, I started to realize, Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. This isn't right. You know, somehow I knew better. I'm not sure how, like I was raised around, like my dad's like a giant racist and I was raised around that. And it was like, uh, I, I like just in the either innately knew that it was wrong or I just like learned very young. Cause like, I always remember being like, that's fucked up. I think I, I kind of remember the, the thing that bothered me about it was the venom, the, yeah, the bass in someone's voice when they say it. Yeah. The vibe that came out of them when they would use racial slurs and make racial jokes and things, it, you know, it was a little, it, it was uncomfortable, but I didn't know why, but I still didn't understand how heinous it really was until I got older. And, and, uh, excuse me, and uh, understood what those words meant and the sentiment behind them, you know? And I think we talked and you said, you know, you had already been hanging out with like, for instance, you know, black kids. So yeah, I think didn't... that was probably a big part of it. Cause like I had uh, friends who were black when I was really young. And so yeah. like, I knew from like a young age that like, you know, <laughs> they're people like, right. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. They're the things you're saying about them aren't true. And so that's the thing is I didn't know any, black folks until 12 or so, I think. And I think that's probably when my, when it changed for me. And it was like, you know, you're saying these mean things about them, but that I, I like that person and that person's nice to me and I don't understand. And, and now, you know, many, many years later, um, I won't tolerate it because as I've said, there are um, some people with more pigment in their skin than I have that have been very, very good to me. And there are some people with the same pigment in their skin as me that have been very, very shitty to me. So sorry, I can't get angry or hate someone for the color of their skin and their cultural differences. Cause if you want to talk cultural differences, Jesus H Christ move from Ohio to Alabama. cultural differences all over the fucking place. Some of them I agreed with, some of them I didn't. Um, you know, but the biscuits and gravy are still good. Brother biscuits and gravy was a, you know, <clears throat> it's kind of like um uh fucking, good one. Good well, one, I was man. I was trying to think of the my brain isn't working today, man. Um, <laughs> a lot of southern food. Yeah, it left you on is, fucking. <laughs> yeah, right. A lot of Southern food is also what people consider black food, right? Greens and things like that. And yeah, I like all that shit. So I was very happy to be introduced <laughs> to all of that shit. So the moral of the story is eat your greens. 
But not carrots. Fuck some carrots. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>